you have your Bibles, please turn to the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John, John chapter 9, beginning with the first verse. Last Sunday in the church I attend, um, the pastor was preaching on the book of Jonah, and he made the statement at the beginning, he said, now I'm going to read for you the entire chapter of Jonah. An audible groan came from the congregation. They tried not to. But you could tell. Well, I'm preaching today on the ninth chapter of John, and the story is the entire chapter, but I'm not going to read the entire chapter. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, and he made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means scent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But the man himself said, I am the one. They demanded, how then were your eyes opened? And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and I washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they ask him. I do not know. And one other verse, one other verse. The 25th verse of this ninth chapter. The man, same man who was healed, is talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees have accused Jesus of being a sinner. And the man says, if he is a sinner, I know not. But this one thing I do know, I once was blind, but now I see. This is the Word of God for the people of God. I'm enjoying retirement. I commend the relationship if you're able to do it. The, I have been retired from the active ministry now since July, and we're celebrating in our house because 
My spouse, Judy, retired Friday from the American Red Cross uh, after working in biomedical blood services. Uh, and we are, will uh, begin the adjustment process of being at home together <laughs> day after day after day. Uh, no, we're looking forward to it. We've got some travel plans, and, and uh, we're, we're certainly looking, looking forward to it. It's good to see all of you, as I said. One of the uh, things which strike, strike me, other than the fact that there are some empty pews, empty places, uh, about half of the children that were up here were born when I was pastor here. And I baptized a good number of them. And it's going to be especially meaningful to have Charlie Alford as, uh, assist me in communion because he, I remember his birth and his baptism here at Adna Church. Ran across the list the other day. Things about life that children have learned. Uh, number one, school lunches will stick to a wall. Number two, don't sneeze when you're getting a haircut. Number three, when mommy is mad at daddy, don't let her brush your hair. Number four, you can't trust your dog to watch your food for you. Never ask your three-year-old brother to hold a tomato or an egg. And finally, no matter how hard you try, you cannot baptize a cat. These are things that children learn, and how do they learn? That by doing them. I can just see some child trying to baptize the family cat. One of the comedians I like, Bill Ingball, has a routine where he talks about warning labels on products. And he says, there is a warning label on a hairdryer, do not use while you're asleep. He says, there is a warning label on preparation H, do not eat this. Warning label on one brand of deodorant, do not use in your eyes. He said the bad part about this is that there is a warning label because someone actually did those things. That's how we learn. That's how children learn. That's even how adults learn. I have a sermon, and I probably preached it here at Adna. It's called the aha moment. You know what an aha moment is. 
An aha moment is, is when uh, you come to a realization. When God through the Spirit speaks to you or you remember something or you observe something and it, uh, it, something clicks in your mind and you go, aha! You come to an awareness or you learn something or you appreciate something you had not previously appreciated. This man born blind had an aha moment. An aha moment resulting from an encounter with Jesus Christ. The entire ninth chapter of John's Gospel tells the story. Jesus and his disciples were walking along and they saw this man. This man who had never seen light. This man who had never seen color. This man who was lying in the gutter of the street, who had to, as he always had had to, beg for his food, beg for the uh, benevolence of other people passing by. And the disciples of Jesus, and Jesus probably got upset at this because it's probably not what he would have wanted them to do. Instead of reaching down to help him and instead of offering him something, they turn to Jesus and ask him a theological question. Why was, was this man born blind because of his own sin or because of the sins of his parents? Now that sounds kind of stupid to us today because uh, we do not equate uh, infirmity or disability or illness or misfortune poverty or hunger or any of the uh, tragedies of life, we don't equate that with sin, but they did in the ancient world. If you were suffering, if you were ill, if you were blind, if you were lame, it was because you were sinful. And some took it even further. You didn't necessarily have to be sinful. Your mother or your father or your grandmother or your grandfather could have been sinful. And that's what, Jesus was, that's what Jesus was being asked by his disciples. And thank God he answered that forever. He said, this man is not blind because of sin. This man is not blind because of his ancestor's sin. This man is at this place, in this condition, simply so that the power of God could be displayed. Now, the story would have had a happy ending right there. But the Pharisees and the scribes wouldn't let it alone. They called the man over, for they were looking to trap Jesus even at this point. And they ask him, what happened to you? And the man said, well, this man Jesus came and he made a paste of his own spit and the dirt and he put it on my eyes and restored and gave me sight. Now that sounds kind of gross, doesn't it? Or does it? Well, 
the first thing you do when you burn your finger. I can remember my mother whenever I had a boo-boo. Saliva's always been used. Your dog or your cat, what do they do when they have an injury? All the time, constantly. Jesus made the spittle, uh, the salve out of his spittle, and he healed the man's blindness. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they wouldn't even let it drop there. With the fervor and enthusiasm of Barney Fife investigating, they called the man's parents in. What happened to your son? And they explained the same thing. And finally, they called the man back a second time. And they said, Jesus, this man who did this for you, is a sinner himself. After all, he healed you on the Sabbath. And that's against the law. And the man gave to the Pharisees and the scribes the answer that has resonated through the ages. If he is a sinner, I know not. But one thing I do know. I once was blind, but now I see. The man's eyes were opened, whereas where before he had been blind. We live in a world where there is a lot of blindness, not just physical sightlessness, but spiritual blindness. There is blindness in, among individuals. There is blindness among nations. There's even blindness among religions. The world, once again, is hardly even shocked when Islamic fundamentalists kill another hostage, but we should be. Spiritual blindness. There are people who are walking blind in our society. People who are stumbling along in the darkness of sin or the darkness of poverty or the darkness of bigotry and oppression people who are struggling along, groping in darkness, groping in blindness, people we know in our schools, people we know in our communities, maybe even people we know in our families. There's a lot of spiritual darkness in the world. There is a spiritual darkness even in our communities. There are many eyes that need to be opened. That's what Jesus did for the man blind from birth. He opened his eyes. Have your eyes ever been opened by Christ? Have your eyes ever been opened by Christ? That's what he did for the man blind from birth. And look what happened to the man. He came away 
seeing. He saw things he had never, ever seen before. And that's what happens to us. That's what happens to us when, to use biblical language, the scales from our eyes are removed. When God removes anything that would make us blind, that would keep us from seeing clearly. Opened eyes. Opened eyes enable us to see ourselves more clearly. For when we're blind, we tend to see, quote, see ourselves one way and one way only from a selfish perspective. Did you know that babies are born blind? No, not physically. Not physically. But humanistically speaking, they're born blind. Because they, quote, see nothing outside their own experience. Everything revolves around themselves. Feed me. Hold me. Change me. Rock me. Me, me, me. And that continues into the toddler years. Unfortunately, it can continue into the teen years. And even more unfortunately, it can continue into the adult years. Me, me, me. That's spiritual blindness. The refusal to see outside yourself. Or as my father used to say, the refusal to see any farther than your own nose. But when your eyes are opened by Christ, you see yourself differently. You see yourself as one called. One called to serve God. When your eyes are opened by Christ, you not only see yourself differently, you see other people differently. When we walk in spiritual blindness, we tend to see people as the Pharisees and the scribes saw them. We see them as sinners. We see them as evil. We see them as degenerate. We see them as mistaken. Jesus saw people as God's sons and daughters. Whether they were sinful or not. When we see people, we see poor people, or we see gay people, or we see criminal people, or we see evil people. Do we see sons and daughters of God? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it is difficult. Sometimes the darkness of sin or the darkness of evil is so great it can still obscure our vision, no matter how hard we try. But Jesus is able to open our eyes so that when we look at people, we see them as God sees them.
And when our eyes are opened by Christ, we not only see ourselves differently, we not only see other people differently, we even see God himself differently. Look at what happened to the man whose eyes were opened. The man blind from birth. If you read that ninth chapter, he begins by, when he tells his story, and remember he told his story three times, he begins by talking about the man Jesus came. And then, in the second telling, he talks about the prophet. He must have been a prophet who did this for me. And finally, in the last retelling, he's the Lord of his life that did it for him. He was able to eventually see God differently. Jesus himself said, if you want to see God clearly, if you want to see what God is like, if you want to see what God's will and way is, if you want to see how God operates, look at me. For if you have seen me, you've seen God. Are your eyes opened? Have they ever been opened by the healing Christ? By the redeeming Christ? That's a question of the hour. Perhaps you have not been blind from birth. Perhaps you lost your spiritual sight somewhere along the way. Perhaps you're waiting for Jesus to come and to make the paste and to open your eyes. Amen.